0: The United States, us included, have been moved by the killing of George Lloyd by police in Minneapolis. In this country, there is a clear problem of police brutality. We need not argue over how much this is a problem for black Americans versus Americans of other colors. You don't have to be black for this to be your problem. If Americans are being brutalized or killed unnecessarily by police, this is your problem.
1: Last week, The Nation watched on video as a man was killed without reason. As other police officers stood by, the perpetrating officer knelt, kneeled on the the neck of a man who said he could not breathe. And as you'll know, this is not the first time that that has been said. He pleaded for his mother and he was killed. Independent autopsy showed that George, uh, George Floyd died by asphyxiation, which meant that the officer conclusively killed him. Floyd had already been apprehended without resisting arrest and was already in handcuffs. The kneeling was completely unnecessary. And we all witnessed a man killed slowly, agonizingly, and unnecessarily. Floyd was not even being arrested for a violent crime. This was, and has been, and continues to be tremendously traumatic and really seemed to be the height of police brutality
0: it was six years ago that we first heard the words i can't breathe by a man who died his name was eric gartner and he was killed in a chokehold by police dying by asphyxiation unnecessarily he was being apprehended for selling cigarettes on the street and he was killed
1: walter scott was killed in 2015 Murdered while running away unarmed from a cop while stopped for a non-functioning brake light. Scott had not put up a fight. He just ran. The police falsified the report of the incident to suppress the evidence. And it was only after the independent video by citizen surfaced that the truth was revealed and murder charges were pressed.
0: So we're not talking here about police brutality and incidents where there are shootouts with armed gangs, or mafia members. We're not talking about incidents when someone pulls out a knife. We're not talking about incidents where someone has rammed police with their car. These were nonviolent crimes or even citations without fighting or even resisting arrest. And people were killed by the police without reason.
1: So today we're going to be talking about what some of the systemic reasons are for why this police brutality and violence against black people and other minorities keeps happening. And can we find a way to bridge some of the tribal bullshit that really is exacerbating this issue and making it worse than, you know, well, making it even worse? Is there any agreement to be had? Can we find any, any way to rethink some of these narratives that have become uh, painfully ingrained in our collective consciousness and think about these things differently and find solutions that we've not found before? What can we do about this all?
0: Today we ask on reconsider who watches The Watchmen? And the short answer is: it is you and it is me. If you are listening to this, you watch The Watchmen. Today, we are putting out an episode that we have thrown together on short notice with the help of many of our readers and listeners. We will not be charging our patrons for this. This is our public service to our nation today. We want to call out those who have helped us, for whom we are incredibly grateful. Jeff Campbell, Sharon Duggan, Steve Bush, John Fogg, Ruthie Lockhart, Thomas Daly, Jennifer Huang, and a bunch of other folks helped that we couldn't chase down for their permission for a call out of their name in public. And they did a whole bunch of diligent research here with us, burning the midnight oil over the last few days to make this episode happen on fairly short notice. Thank you all.
1: So before we, well, let's just dive in, Eric. It's just a hard moment. Eric and I both are frustrated and struggling. And, you know, if, if we're as at the end of our ropes as we are, we can only imagine how much more difficult and tormenting this has been for so many others.
0: Yes. I mean, obviously, especially people of color who, who have lived with a fear for a long time that much of the country is just waking up to right? In- including us, right? Including Xander and myself to the-, to the magnitude of the fear that they live with that their law enforcement officers may be more threat to them than help. And living with that fear means that, you know, I've, I've heard it asked, when the police are the ones killing you, who do you call? What number do you call for help? And there's none. You're helpless. And folks have to live with this every day and just get reminded over and over again of what the system this this you know police system that we have and justice system system that we have thinks about their 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 lives in terms of priorities and we are as a show obviously dedicated to not picking sides on the tribal divide to not picking a a partisan position and 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 preaching it or repeating it. That doesn't mean that there's not truth. That doesn't mean that there aren't clear priorities for us as Americans. And we have to have the courage to not stand on the fence, to not fail to acknowledge what is right and what is wrong when it's obvious.
1: And that's some of what we're going to be talking about today. In a lot of ways, it'll be. Very much the reconsider sort of show that you've come to love, you know we, with the help of the reconsider community and our Facebook group, did do a ton of research in a very short amount of time, and we you know that the time trade off means that we didn't have as much time to check everything, and you know we want to be upfront about that, so you know always do your own research as we always recommend, and in a lot of ways, this won't be a normal reconsider episode in part, I think just because we're both so um you know, upset. It, upset, shocked by the moment that I, I know I'm not going to be fully on my game. I'm still in the process of putting a lot of my thoughts together just because there is so much going on. It's hard to know exactly what to think. And so that's one ele- element of it. But two, Eric and I both feel that we just need to come down off, off that fence. There is no fence right now, right? We're all Americans. People are being robbed of their rights. And that's a problem for all of us. And they're, you know, We will all face those consequences at some point, even if we choose to turn a blind eye to them now, and we shouldn't do that. So, yeah, we're coming down off the fence So, In
0: our normal reconsider mode, our our most classic mode came, you know, used in Wedged. We want to start with, you know, what is the thing that 80% of Americans could agree on they want, and what's getting in the way of them working together to make that happen? And then what's a path forward? Right. Very classic old school reconsider stuff here with a lot of fire because these are our fellow Americans' lives and rights. And anyone who doesn't prioritize that, right? We're we're, you know, we use our 80% line because there are there are such radical fringes that say some people's lives matter less than others, that we're not interested in how they feel about it. We're interested in how Americans with a conscience and a heart and a patriotic love for their country and their fellow citizen, how they feel about it. And how can we get them together? And so, what we want to start with is let's think about what do we all agree that we want our police to do and not do? What behaviors by police would we agree in the abstract are good and bad, are laudable and condemnable, should be rewarded, and should be prosecuted? And so, you know what we, I think what we want to start with is, is this, you know, this shared understanding that we all have about police, that is reality, that is a basis of all this, is that police officers are granted special powers that other citizens do not have. They have the power to turn lights on their car, and everyone else has to get out of the way. And they can go as fast as they want when those lights are on, right, in service of the public. They have special power to use force. They have special power to use force, violence, in order to serve the public and in order to protect individuals. They have special powers to be able to draw their gun and point it at people, which I know some people even question whether they should have that power. And I think, generally speaking, at the highest level, Americans would want police to be held accountable individually and as forces, individ- as police forces, to use those powers responsibly, carefully, and exclusively for the good of citizens and nothing else.
1: Now, interesting that you mentioned that 80% figure, Eric, because I know that you do pull that up a lot of times in Wedged, and there's been a lot of follow-up research that has happened since you published Wedged that, oh, now I'm forgetting the name of this think tank, but we've talked about on a prior show. They, they did a lot of like empirical follow-up surveys, and basically found you know, the fog green curve. It exists. There is this big wedge in the middle, or sorry, there's this big hump in the middle, and then fringe uh, sides. But a lot of people actually agree more on issues than you would think is the case based on how things are often represented. And I just came across this um, poll from uh, Monmouth uh, University. They They do a lot of polling sometimes. And... One of the questions was, uh, regardless of the actions taken, do you think the anger that led to these protests was fully justified, partially justified, or not at all justified? And about 80%, 78% say fully justified or partially justified. And then a smaller percent thought that the actions of the protesters, and I'm guessing that this includes some of the writing that's taken place, um, do you think the actions of the protesters were fully justified? And that comes to about 56% for the fully justified and partially justified. So that's one survey. Uh, You know, the problems with surveys take it, you know, for what you mean. But there really seems to be a lot of consensus about this. Uh, People agree that this anger is justified. And a lot, even a majority of people polled in that survey think that the actions, be it both peaceful or not, are justified. What does that say about this point that we've come to? Now, Eric, you talked a minute about being responsible guardians of the monopoly of force that the government has been granted in the social contract that we've made with them, right? And that's that's fancy terms for saying, like we agree to let the government do things that we, as private citizens can't do because society tends to function better that way. and we've we've talked about this lots on episodes, and we're not going to get into the details of justifying it. i It just it's it's convinced the, the data is convincing to me. That, you know, it makes sense to have a sovereign of some sort, and we've given up a certain amount of our, our freedom and power and granted that to the government, so that we' going the whole Hobbes society. But yeah, I am going the whole Hobbes. I want people to start calling this the whole Hobbes. That, that's a, a great line. But so you talk about responsibility. And on the one hand, I see images and videos of police officers, um, you know pointing their guns at people and as they're talking and, you know, tanks rolling up and down the streets. And one thing that's really stuck out to me in times of police violence has been what veterans have to say. And if you go and and read, you know, their, their social media threads and, you know, you have to have a certain amount of skepticism, I get it, because you don't necessarily know who these people are, but sometimes you can verify that they are veterans and they served. One of the one of the recurring themes is that, like, there's this thing called gun hygiene. You know, you don't I might be getting the term wrong, but there's it, there is a phrase for this. You know, if you're in a conflict zone, you don't point your gun at a person unless because you're ready to kill discipline. Them. And the idea. Firearm discipline. Thank you. My God. And the reason is pretty simple, right? Because that escalates the situation. So a lot of the times you have veterans speaking out about how they would never let the Marines, uh, you know, act this way in, in Mosul. Or Fallujah, because pointing your guns at innocent, unarmed people tends to escalate the situation. So why are the police doing this to us? Why haven't they learned responsible firearm discipline?
0: Yeah, and a layer beyond that, right? So there's there's the forces accountability as a whole, and then then there's what happens when something goes wrong. It may be this this may be a controversial statement, but I would I would state that in a country of three hundred fifty million people and a country with a higher rate of violence than many of our peers, the United States, there is some, there will be some percentage of the time that a police officer misuses their power, loses their cool, right. Does something, does something where, well, I mean, I mean, brutalizes individuals. It is, it is going to happen some percentage of the time. We want it to be as minimal as possible. The question, you know, I, I, The question here is not whether that'll ever happen, but how frequently it happens. And then, just as importantly, what happens when it happens? What happens when the police step out of line? And even if it's a very small number, I think a lot of people would say, well, most cops don't do that. Okay, most cops don't do that. But do the cops excise their own bad actors? If they see a fellow police officer use excessive force, do they stand up and say, we're going to turn you over to the district attorney, right? When they see an officer beat an unarmed child, which we have video of in the show notes, do they say, this is unacceptable. You are no longer part of this force and we are prosecuting you for abusing the sacred power that we've given you, that society has given us, right? And, and used it for, for evil. Rather than good, I believe, I believe, and and not as an opinion but a prediction, if there was a regular, consistent, predictable, and public accountability for these likely few bad actors from the police force and from the justice system, that there would not be riots when this happened. Of course. Many people die in this country, and they relatively are, are killed by violence in this country. A relatively small number, right? Not the majority, are killed by police. Now it's still thousands, and and it is hard to pick apart, you know, per year. And it's hard to pick apart how much of that is justifiable and how much of that is not. But many more people are are killed by violence than than those killed by just police violence. The reason people are frustrated, in case that's it's somehow not clear is that we have higher expectations of the police. Again, when a citizen is pointing a gun at you, who do you call? You call the cops, right? When they're, when they're beating you, who do you call? You call the police. When the police are beating you, who do you call? There's no one to call. And so there's a betrayal of this so- solemn power and dread responsibility that has been bestowed on the, upon the police. And I believe most Americans, that 80%, would agree that... Each individual police officer should be held accountable to the full extent of the law for abusing their power when they do when they exercise excessive use of force unlawful you know unlawful killings they should be prosecuted at least as aggressively as a normal citizen because of the expectations we have for them and that the force itself should face some form of consequence for failing to train or or you know to to either proactively train or reactively root out, these officers of the law who who use their dread power to break the law, I, I believe that is what most Americans want.
1: Yeah, and if if you have any doubt about this, I think fairly it's a fairly obvious observation to say that this is true. That state and states and municipalities have in the past, when there is police violence, bent over backwards to ensure that there weren't prosecutions. You know, police went to great lengths to not have to testify to not have to give depositions. This happens a lot. And, you know, it's not a great analogy, but it came to mind, the idea of, you know, in white collar crime and after the 2008 uh, financial crisis, a lot of people, me included, were frustrated that there weren't enough high level prosecutions. And the challenge with um, the problem that that creates, if you don't prosecute people and actually put them in jail, is there's no incentive to change their behavior, right? If if the rules don't apply to someone, and you know they get their their defeats are subsidized and their wins are all private are all you know, I'm simplifying, but that creates poor incentives, and that's kind of you know, I anyways I, I I agree with your point is where I'm getting to Eric, but I guess the next question would be why is there this lack of accountability? Clearly, it has to do with systemic racism. What are some ways that we can think about that could potentially you know, push back against this in you know a creative way that's you know maybe not violent i I have a few ideas i again they're you know kind of not fully baked, but you know this issue of cameras has come up have come up a lot policemen wearing cameras, and I think doing that all the time is a good start, but I mean, if we're being completely honest with ourselves here, if the theme of this show is who's watching the watchmen, I think we gotta have the cameras because. There have been too many times when video just kind of disappears, when it could have been helpful to prove someone's uh, case who is either abused or treated in some improper way by a police officer on a stop or in a more extreme situation as well. That's not surprising. It's just, you know, that's human nature. So, you know, could we, I I don't know what that looks like. You know, we're kind of doing this live, so to speak. Do we all carry around? cameras on our vest, on our car dashboards, when we're allowed to go back out and, and, well, we're all out in public right now. It's such a crazy time because we haven't even talked about, you know, there's also this pandemic and now 110,000 Americans have died and it's all going on together. But, you know, who, where could you put cameras in order to keep them, to keep police officers more accountable? How could you make sure that they're all Live streaming and that there's data warehousing space for the videos to go. And, you know, clearly that capability exists now. But how could you actually implement something like that? Or how do you, dear listeners, think that that idea can be improved or modified on?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And, uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit more further in the episode about what's been the research on some of the systemic causes of police brutality, you know, both against citizens of color and 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 white citizens as well Uh, you know even in wedged we talk about it's a little murky it's a little murky to to figure out just how much you know unnecessary brutality is is or just what percentage of unnecessary brutality is is against citizens of color versus white citizens but it does happen to everyone to different extents it seems to happen more to you know people of color and the so we'll get into some of these more systemic issues here you know but I i think if if someone is wondering why are people so upset, right? And I guess that's only that 20% kind of left on the edges here. It seems to be for this lack of accountability, right? The people, you know, again, again, people people in the United States are are at, at times killed. And the expectation is that, you know, if, if someone is shot and killed by a citizen, the expectation is that the justice system will do whatever is possible, you know, to try to apprehend the, the person who did it and, and bring them to justice. But when the police do it, there, there seems to be, um, and actually, sorry, there does not seem to be. There is clear evidence of this. We we cite a lot of it in in the show notes. That that the, um, you know, the cooperation that the the police and the district attorney have leads the district attorney to be less likely to prosecute. That the police themselves um, are are likely to you know, close rank to to protect the offending police officer as opposed to excise them. And if you're wondering why people are frustrated, that is why. And I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of excuses people will have for police brutality, including you know they have a, they have a really hard job it's it's stressful it's scary you know they never know if someone has a gun, and you know that could be solved by better training. See the Marines, right? You see the Marines in Mosul, and and the rules of engagement they have, which are much more aggressive than those the police have. So so the idea that it is impossible to act with, you know, to to act on unarmed, you know, to to, to Sorry to act with professionalism, uh, you know, with with unarmed civilians, right? To say that that is it is unreasonable to expect that is is clearly falsifiable. And then and then also, if we if we think about the standard we're expecting here, when we say, well, you know, police are are stressed out and and sometimes they just go overboard, and you know, we just got to understand that they're doing their best. Well, what about the standards we have for our fellow citizens, right? So so if a cop points a gun at you, the expectation is that you don't overreact and get scared and freak out the expectations you just do whatever they say you know whatever they say and you know and if you don't you know it's it's damned if you do damned if you don't because if you don't they'll shoot you or they might shoot you right and and might is enough um and if you do they might kill you anyway right they might kneel on your neck until you asphyxiate they might they might choke hold you until you die of asphyxiation so we expect our citizens to to Do whatever they're told by the police when they have guns pointed at them or if they're being beaten or if they're being, you know, if they're being kind of manhandled and their arms are wrenched behind their back and their body's going through all this pain and fight or flight sensation is going on. These are untrained civilians. We expect them to be professional. We expect the civilians to be professional and to have discipline in the face of being hurt and having guns pointed at them. Should we not expect more of our officers, not less? Right and and un, un, i think if we put it in those terms i can't expect anyone would really sit there and say no we expect less discipline and professionalism and cool-headedness from our officers in a potentially t- tense situation than than we would from our civilians but what we see is anecdotally right is a number of our fellow citizens make excuses for officers who who you know just go a little overboard and and commit police brutality or unlawful killings and, and and those same kinds of defenses used for the police themselves are not used for untrained civilians who are under duress or pain or violence or threat from these police officers. And that double standard is something that I think if we if we reflected on it, right, we would all agree. Like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have that double standard. Maybe we should universally hold police to a higher standard. And if we did that consistently,
1: maybe people might not
0: be as upset.
1: And if you're of, I mean, it, based on what everything Eric just said, if if you know, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, and you're saying no, we don't need to hold them as to as high a standard as just the average citizen with with deadly force. What then is the justification for yeah. giving them yeah. the weaponry that they have that is intended for battle situations where professionals are trained to manage those weapons responsibly? It doesn't make any sense. And I mean, I don't want to get into the the, the entrenched interests interest there and stuff like that, but. I think that's ludicrous. And Eric, your good friend, Greg yeah. Karwosky, and we, uh, we should have mentioned right. him at the top of the show too. He dug up some some stats on uh, police violence versus Sorry, officers being killed. Because as he says, it's, it's definitely worth mentioning that being a cop yep. is inherently dangerous and officers are that's putting there. their lives on the line 100%. Right. Let's look at some of the numbers. So the number of police officers killed in 2018 in violent ass- assaults, pause, think about it. What do you think the number is, based on the way it's covered in the news, based on your pre-existing thoughts? Have that number?
0: I don't know. I actually don't know, but I'm going to guess
1: 300. 55. Wow. 55 police officers were killed in 2018. It, it looks like in 2019, the number went up, but a number were from uh, complications related to 9-11. So the number cited in 2019 is 147 police officers were killed. But based on what Greg has written here in the notes, the the number from 2018 is more comparable because a lot were sort of, again, holdover health problems. And then by comparison, in 2019, police officers shot and killed 1,004 people in the US. So you're kind of looking at 55 police officers killed per 1,009 civilians killed by police officers. So like, yeah, that's it's a dangerous occupation. It absolutely is. But are those numbers justifiable?
0: Right. And it may be the case, you know, I, I think a, a, a hardcore devil's advocate could say, look, it may be the case that one of the reasons that, that police deaths are so low is because they are trained to, you know, respond, respond well. when when presented with, with deadly force to themselves, right. They have a right to defend themselves. and And it's a good thing that if someone's pointing a gun at them, they get the shot off first and maybe, but I think part of what we need to what what we can do here is we can say is is you know someone could with a lack of of evidence otherwise say look most of the the vast 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 majority of times when when police are using force, right, uh, it's justified. And I actually want to get into some a a, a very 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 incomplete list of what we. What, what people happened to catch on camera. So this isn't even the full list of what people happened to catch on camera. I have no idea how big that list is, but we are going to go through one by one and, and read off, uh, and these are all linked with video, incidents that citizens captured and shared publicly about what police have done with enough context to make it clear what's going on. Before we do that, to Xander's point about this being a dangerous occupation, we want to be very clear that we support having a police force, that we support the power of the police to be able to use force to keep the peace um, and to serve and protect. And we also want to be clear that that many cops are individually good cops doing good things, doing their best to protect the American public. Individually, we salute you, right? And we, we appreciate you and we thank you. And there are individual cops... Who use excessive force without reason or provocation. And the fact that there are not negative consequences for them is a serious problem. And the fact that their fellow, quote unquote, good cops are not turning them in for prosecution is a serious systemic problem. So, shall we go through these awful examples in addition to the three that we shared earlier? Again, caught on camera. You can go watch them. If you have not watched the killings, of George Floyd and Eric Gartner and Walter Scott, it is probably your duty as a citizen to do so, to understand what your fellow citizens are going through. But let's go, let's go through some of these other examples. These are, these are examples of how the police have been treating protesters, not rioters, not the rioters, right? The video is all of protesters, not people looting, not people setting things on fire. How the police have treated them during the last weekend as people protested police brutality.
1: So I'll start, and I'll reiterate that these will all be available on our website reconsidermedia.com. Just click on the link to this episode. So the first, a police car dro- or a, a a police officer drove a cruiser into an, a bunch of unarmed peaceful protesters in Brooklyn.
0: The police and and we don't have the city's site in all of these. We're going to move quickly and and leave the links to you. Police apprehended and threw members of the press who had identified themselves as members of the press on the ground and pepper sprayed them in the
1: face. One woman was um, permanently, or at least yes. I think there may be more than one case, but there was one woman that was um, shot with rubber bullets on walking home from the grocery store. She wasn't involved in protests um, and her face is very clearly bleeding. Then there was also a member of the press that was permanently blinded um, when, uh, officers fired on them unprovoked with rubber uh, this, bullets. this
0: video, I mean, all these videos are hiring, but you just see a, a camera with, uh, with, with the reporter standing there and the camera's watching and they're, they're dozens of yards away and a police officer just turns to them, um, and just starts lighting them up and, uh, hits this woman in the eyes uh which isn't even proper use of of rubber bullets by the way you're supposed to bounce them on the ground please just didn't even didn't even bother right just just light them up right training. again yes. training and this officer you know again like essentially the the police are rioting at this point like the police are the rioters they're just going oh look at these people I'll just shoot them and that is it, it the video evidence is is uh ind- is 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 unquestionably clear uh, the woman is shot in the face. You can hear her saying, I've been shot, I've been shot. The camera is then shot, and the camera goes, there, we have an incident where the police pulled a protester's mask off uh, while his hands were up in a stance of surrender and pepper sprayed him in the face just to make sure we could cause that, that protester some, some agony, right? just to make sure that we delivered pain to this person. right? Sadistic.
1: And I mean, if you think that that's like being over the top or sensational, which we're known not to do, what else is the justification for pulling off someone's face unprovoked right. and spraying right. them? What's Pe- the point? What are you accomplishing? The purpose
0: of pepper spray is for cops to defend themselves and their well-being from force without, being, without using deadly force. That is its purpose. Use by any other purpose is excessive violence.
1: And then we get into all the issues. Well, no, we talked about the member of the press who's blinded already a moment ago, but there have been other examples of, of the press being harassed would be a mild way to put it. There is a, a CNN reporter, I forgot his first name, but his last name was Jimenez. And there's a video of him being arrested live on CNN in the protests in Minneapolis. And of course you might say, okay, well, but was he doing anything? And the explanation, according to Time Magazine, this is their Twitter account, the police who arrested the CNN crew, not just Jimenez, but also his cameramen, claimed that they made the arrest of the CNN crew because the reporters allegedly did not move when asked to. You can go see the footage. there's a link to it on our show notes of uh, Jimenez very calmly uh, standing there saying, "Sorry, we didn't mean to get in your way. We're happy to just go wherever you tell us to go. Just um, we were shooting when you guys walked down or we were you know, filming when you guys walked down the street. Um, But we definitely don't want to be in your way. Please just let us know um, where you would like uh, to put us and we'll just go to that location. And he says this over and over and over and then he gets handcuffed and led away. And the thing that is scary about this video to me, as if that all wasn't scary enough, is when um, he starts to be arrested, he you know, asks the officers um, and he was arrested. Why, what, why am I being arrested? What is the cause for my arrest? And this is part of your Miranda rights in the U.S. as a citizen. You have a right when you are detained by the government, which has a monopoly on force in the country, because that's the social contract we've signed up for. You have the right to know why you are being detained with their monopoly on violence. And after Jimenez asks repeatedly, after the cameraman asks, the police just take his microphone away and don't say anything. How can you how can you how can you arrest a member of the press who's cooperating where there's video footage of him cooperating and refuse him his Miranda rights on live television on CNN? Right. It's galling to me. And this and is we'll not right. To it,
0: but but this these are the police violating the fundamental rights of American citizens as enshrining the Constitution. Right. The Miranda rights are just an expansion on the Fourth Amendment and freedom of the press. Right, just one of our most fundamental rights. Let's just violate it. Consequences not clear. Um, police pepper sprayed a child, a young child, at a protest in Seattle. I I need to link this one, but I saw footage of police um, beating, punching, like arm wrenching, and then punching what must have been an eight year old girl in Philadelphia who was on the ground, uh, clearly not armed, not dangerous, but just. Beating her up, right? What did that little girl do to deserve that? I can't imagine.
1: There's a video of police officers. And again, when I usually, when I'm saying police officers in this video, I'm referring to police officers in um, riot gear as if they were in a war zone. Not all of them. Some of the police officers kneeling with the protesters, for example, aren't. But so have that in your mind. Um, a group of them shoved an old man walking with a cane to the ground. And you can see it, the old man was walking the other direction from where some uh, fracas was going on in the background. The police were pushing some people aside, and the old man was just trying to get, walk away. And they come up and start pushing him because he's not moving fast enough, I assume. You can't hear the entire interaction, but and he just falls over because he gets shoved so hard. <laughs>
0: police enforcing curfew. Uh, they were you know, loudly saying, go home, go home, go home, marching down the street, all all. You know, loaded to the teeth, and a woman is filming this you know from her porch, on her private property, home as instructed, and just filming, right, which I a lot of cops don't like being filmed, do they? And the police turn and light her up with with what seem to be like paint canisters, basically paintballs, um, and just start shooting shooting at the house at a citizen on their private property, right like you know and, and to our conservative friends out there, police. Police, the state, the state is just turning violent force on people, minding their own business on their private property. Can you Imagine if police just showed up to, you know, someone's farm and were like, hey, farmer, blam, 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 and just started shooting, right? And if it was in Kansas and he was a a white farmer and, and, you know, obviously Jesus fearing Bible thumping, right? All that good stuff. And, And how do we feel? We should feel the same thing for our other citizens.
1: Yeah. And I mean, one of the reasons that, you know, the Second Amendment and the Third Amendment are there are to prevent, you know, the state coming and imposing itself on you on your private property. I mean... In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. A lot of people, you know, argue that that's one of the jo- the, 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 the Being able to, you know, counter... Um, government force is one of the main reasons that the Second Amendment exists. And there are videos of the state walking down the street and shooting people on their private property on the patio. There was a curfew in place. Yes, people were not allowed to leave the private patio or property, but she was just on the, these, these, these people were just on the on the patio. Um, and that's another thing with a curfew. And I live in LA, for example, where the curfew now is, Um, I think it's 6 p.m. tonight. It was 5 p.m. countywide last night. But in Santa Monica, it was earlier. It was 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. Um, well, but we'll get to the issues of assembly in a minute. We're we still we're right. not done with no, our list yet, going
0: and, and and again, this is not complete. Um, we've there's there's incredible video of uh, just some protesters, you know, doing the thing, and and you know, and and again, the 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 apologists were like, oh, the pro- the protesters were taunting them, taunting for. For F's sake, right? They're practicing their First Amendment rights. You can yell as loud as you want, right? You can flip cops the bird. You can flip anyone the bird, right? If I flip you the bird and you punch me in the face, you're going to jail, right? So cops, same standards at least. So you have these unarmed protesters, peaceful, not setting anything on fire, and the cops just charge in, right? Just this like, just, you know, kind of uh, Braveheart style come rolling in um, and start knocking them over and and... Uh, tackle them to the ground and why i don't know some i guess one of them felt bad about being taunted
1: there was there's a video of a very obviously pregnant woman who is peacefully protesting getting shot in the stomach with rubber bullets by police officers um,
0: One, one of the most just like dark ironic ones is is one of the one of the blessedly few people that has been killed by police so far during these protests but a a real heartbreaker is a man named David McAtee and David McAtee had a barbecue joint where he fed cops for free uh, as well as the homeless and just all sorts of other, like you can't make this up level wholesome, wonderful person stuff. Um, But he fed the police for free. And, and in Louisville uh, he was at protest, right? And at Louisville, allegedly uh, we don't have, we don't know if there's evidence of this yet. um, Allegedly someone fired on the cops. Not clear, but then they fired indiscriminately into the crowd, Boston Massacre style. And David McAtee, who's definitely not armed, uh, cops couldn't even plant a gun on him right in time, uh, before the videos, the cameras were on. He was he was cut down and killed, and he was left overnight dead in the street. And and if someone is rolling their eyes at me saying, planting a gun on someone, there's actually there's other video that I need to get the link to uh in, in the show notes here of a man being tackled to the ground, you know, and he's 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 wriggling, right? Again, fight or flight response, but he's wriggling. He's not fighting. Um, and, and a cop grabs the man's wrist. There's like, there's like a stick on the ground near him. And whether the guy had the stick, I don't know. But the cop grabs the guy's wrist and puts it on the stick, right? And then as soon as the guy's hand is on the stick, starts just wailing on him, just punching him right in the face over and over and over again. You know, and, and the cop... Put the stick in the man's hand to start in order to start punching him. There's there's no other plausible explanation. Um, So, you know, roll your eyes all all you want at at the planting the gun thing. But we we have, you know, we have anecdotal video evidence that it happens sometimes. And this erodes trust in the police, right, which is a problem not just for us as, as, you know, not not just for us who believe that Americans have rights. But for anyone who wants the police to be effective and be able to work with their communities and be trusted and for and for people to, you know, for people to cooperate with them when they say, hey, I need you to stop. I need you to get on the ground. I need you to kneel. I need you to put your hands up. Right. With this kind of with these kinds of incidents happening, you know, how can you expect citizens to trust these people enough, you know, cops enough to follow their instructions without trying to run away and protect themselves?
1: And I can, again, just imagine an apologist saying, oh, well, with the example of, you know, someone fired on them, they were protecting themselves. But, and I hadn't heard the story of, of McAtee that you just mentioned until just now, Eric, and I pulled up the the link. And it's really sad because the police did just respond by firing into this crowd. And like the two examples that came to my mind immediately are, one, you know, there was a massive scandal back at the height of the Iraq war when um, blackwater um, security contractors fired indiscriminately into a crowd of Iraqis. And that's happening here with our own police? Like, that's not okay. And then second, I mean, whenever whenever I think about indiscriminate fire into a crowd of people, I think about the, uh, oh, what was that day called? It was, it was the beginning part of the Bolshevik uprising when there was like a thousand people who were shot by machine gun fire in a square. I don't yeah. remember the name of the event, but, you know, we're better than that. That's we're not communist Russia, and we don't want to be communist Russia. And we don't want, you know, the state to think that it has the ability to fire indiscriminately on us without justification.
0: Right. I guess we've got we got one more. I'm going to leave you to the the example of of the seeming vigilante groups in Philadelphia.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard this, I I guess this is probably the last one. But, um, like I said, these are all on our website, reconsidermedia.com. There's a video and several uh, pictures of, I mean, I don't know what to call them, but vigilante groups in Philadelphia. It's a bunch of dudes with clubs, a bunch of white dudes with bats and clubs, um, not just sticks, but bats and clubs um, walking around and coordinating their movement with the police. Uh, And the implication here is not only is their presence um, allowed, but permitted and coordinated with the police. Vigilante groups. I mean, in my mind, for uh, someone who's a big fan of history, I can't not think about the Gracchi brothers in in uh, the end of the Roman Republic, about 133 BC. And this is, you know, about 100 years before Julius Caesar and uh, Augustus and Pompey and all that. And it was just the, the onset of all the violence. And the thing that really changed is when you had um, private groups of citizens... Going around and using violence for explicitly political purposes, and it was sanctioned, and then the other side retaliated i mean it's it's madness again, to
0: the apologists who say well don't these don't these citizens have a right to defend themselves from riots? Yes, they do. If the riot comes to you, you have a right to defend yourself. If you go around with a bunch of clubs looking for a fight as a gang, right you are not practicing your rights of self defense you are practicing your not rights of going around looking for people to beat up. Right. And that is that is is that illegal in the United States and and every other reasonable democracy in the world? I think it is.
1: I'd have to check. But I think I think uh, aggravated assault with intent is usually a crime. So
0: so so we look at these all these examples. Right. And we spent why have we spent spent an exhaustive period of time on this? Because we want you to be exhausted. We want you to feel exhausted. We want you to feel a little sick and a little fed up with this happening because it's wrong. And and for everyone who's saying, "Well, it's just you know, it's just one or two things." It's not one or two things, man. It is police brutality against. And again, look, there. One, once again, there are there are riots. There are um, that there, there are windows being smashed. Uh, there are, there's. There are people being hurt. There are there are things being stolen. There's stuff being set on fire. All of these are crimes, and it is the the duty of public officers to you know of, of officers of law to you know, to as much as possible prevent those. Um, if not, stop them, and then apprehend the people responsible and and bring them in for justice as well. Right, and I, I think some people you know there are some people who believe that there's a sufficiently oppressed minority that that has no recourse. That violence is a um you know violence is a legitimate form of a protest at this point, but it's also the case that if they're making if they if, if, you know if some of these rioters are making that choice, they also have to you know choose to accept the consequences of you know, of the fact that they're breaking the law right as 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 all as all people who choose to break the law in in the name of uh you know in the name of of You know, their beliefs do, and and you know, generally speaking, most of these laws aren't unreasonable. It's like, you know, don't commit arson, right? And and we committed arson, we we, you know, so anyway, those folks, all these videos, right? If you don't believe us, go watch them, right? The evidence is clear. These are not during riots. It's very clear, these are just people trying to trying to exercise their First Amendment rights. And and this is where I think we can bridge the we can bridge a little bit of the wedge bullshit right so so at the beginning you know can we get agreed on what we expect of the police what level of you know and and uh, yeah what we expect to the police and and what we expect our justice system to do if if police violate their their sworn oaths of office right that they swore to the american people but i think we can also talk about rights and and why is this important? I think, you know, it's, there's, there's left-wing branding and there's right-wing branding for almost anything, which is why it seems that people kind of respond so differently depending on, on what's going on because, because the branding is different and and people are very emotionally responsive to the branding. And, and on the left, the branding that people are very responsive to is is racism and injustice, right? We we hear that uh, on the left and we go, ah, this is bad. And on the right, Right? What is more common? What what has been the the rallying cry of conservatives? It has been our fundamental rights and liberties, if they are under threat. For example, the Second Amendment. Right? If it seems that our fundamental right to a sec, you know to our, our Second Amendment rights are under threat, conservatives get really agitated, right? And and you know potentially justifiably. So, what we want to do is you know the left is already fired up about this, but. The you know and how much the right is again we've got about eighty percent of, of people aligned so maybe we're beating a dead horse here but this is a good exercise on how to bridge the wedge because we can we can look at these same incidents and you know rightfully and accurately brand what's going on not as just racism and injustice but as a violation of the rights of American citizens. Xander,
1: so the left's fired up. Basically, we want the right to be fired up too. And, you know, we, we've been doing this now for almost five years, and I think anyone who's familiar with Eric and I know that like, our, life, our mission in life is bridging the divide. We are not trying to create division, and we want everyone to be frustrated and angry with what's happening right now. So for the right, often they will focus on you know fundamental constitutional rights, which are generally designed or were designed to protect Americans from their government, right? It was that distinction between monarchical overreach and more power being uh, you know, devolved into a somewhat more distributed system. So let's look at how a lot of our constitutional rights are being violated right now. Um, for example, the video of uh, the reporter, Mr. Jimenez, that I mentioned a moment ago, freedom of the Press, First Amendment, violated. And again, there is video evidence in this case that the justification that the police gave for his arrest is wrong. It's not correct. They lied about it. If peaceful protesters are being attacked, that's the First Amendment again, freedom of assembly. Oh, and with the reporter, Fourth Amendment rights too, because of Miranda rights being a subset of the Fourth Amendment.
0: And if police beat someone unnecessarily and arrested them, their rights are being violated. They have a right to due process, right, which is the the Fourth Amendment, to not be deprived um, of—sorry, Fifth Amendment— Uh, They have a right to due process in which the police officer is not does not have the power to dish out punishment. Right. That is the jury. That is the that is the sole and solemn duty of the jury. So if a police officer beats somebody right in anything but a defense of the police officer's own well-being and safety for any reason other than that, it is a violation of the fundamental constitutional fifth amendment right to due process and arguably a violation of the eighth amendment, um, which protects you from cruel and unusual punishment, right? So conservatives look at this with us. And when you see someone who's already on the ground being punched and beaten, right, it does not matter what they've done. They are innocent until proven guilty. That is our system. You don't like it. Go to North Korea. They are innocent until proven guilty. Which means that the state does not have the right to punish them, no matter what they did, until they are found guilty by a jury of their peers. I don't care how mad the cop is. I don't care if the guy shot a cop, because it is their right as a citizen. And conservatives, you stand for our constitutional rights and you stand against tyranny and executive overreach and government overreach that suppresses our rights and one thing that is true by definition is that if an american if any american cannot speak out or assemble without fear of violence by the government or retribution by the government then the they do not have a then none of us have a right to free speech by definition because we have the right to sometimes speak when and only when We have permission from the government.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a point that I I just want to repeat because it's well worded. If you cannot speak out or assemble and the press is being arrested uh, and not given cause for arrest and the state police officers, officers of the law, officers of our government are beating people that are clearly either immobile or or charging them for non-self-defense purposes, which there's plenty of video for, you do not have rights. You do not have the right to speak out. You do not have the right of free speech. You do not have the right of assembly. You have the permission from the government. And so much of what this country is about is, is getting away from that. And about the, the random you know, law enforcement officer, be it now or 400 years ago, can't be judge, jury, and execution all in one. We have rights, and the state, our government, is violating those rights systematically right now. And
0: repeatedly. And I want to repeat some words we said earlier. You do not have to be black for this to be your problem. Right. And even if you, even if you somehow, somehow don't believe that the rights of black people are as valid. As the rights of everyone else. If you somehow don't believe that, go look at these videos. There's plenty of white people who are having their rights taken away by force as well. And we ask again, who watches the watchmen? As I said earlier, I believe most people would accept that sometimes someone who works for the government is going to do something that violates our rights. But that is the essence of justice, right? What are the two things? that everyone is due in the pledge of allegiance, right? What does this flag stand for? Liberty and justice. And when you always have your liberty, there's not a need for justice. But when that is taken away from you, when your fundamental rights are taken away from you, whether by a citizen or the state, that is when justice comes in. And that's why I think it's so important for most Americans that when they see this that there is swift action and due process for all these cops, right? Every single one of them is innocent until proven guilty, but that they go through the same due process of prosecution that a citizen would, that if you saw a random citizen holding someone down and punching them in the face, kneeling on their neck, beating them, ramming into people with cars, right? Vehicles, whatever process that a citizen would go through for that. I believe that Americans would be satisfied that their rights are being protected. And that there was justice if these incidents had public accountability and prosecution. Um, And the problem is that track record, and there we will go into some evidence of this, is very spotty.
1: Okay. With that really somber thought, but I think accurate portrayal of what's going on, we just want to tell all of our dear listeners and readers that uh, we're here, we're awake, we're going to be doing more stuff than we usually do. That means we're going to be meeting at least a couple of days this week and producing podcasts as this goes on. We have a lot more to say that we think is helpful than we've been able to do in an hour and I think about an hour is about, you know, the limit of a bite-sized chunk of media especially right now with everything going on. So, stay tuned. The next episode we're going to talk more about why the systemic racism, uh, you know, how it's developed this way. We're going to talk about, you know, research on policing actions over the last 50 years and what things have generally shown to be more and less effective. And then, of course, we didn't even talk about uh, President Trump saying he's willing to call in the U.S. Army to call the protests unilaterally without government's uh, permission, which from what we can tell so far, the research we've done is unprecedented. And we'll get into the details of that. Um, So Eric and I are going to meet soon to record that probably tomorrow. And then, Eric, you're working on um, a handout for everyone, right? Today's episode
0: is called Who Watches the Watchmen? My handout is called We Watch the Watchmen. So this is a citizen's guide to holding police departments accountable in your jurisdiction um, coming as soon as possible. Stay tuned. It may already be out by the time this episode posts.
1: Yeah. And if you want to know how to get that, just go to our website, ReconsiderMedia.com. We'll put it up there. We'll make it available. If you sign up for uh, you know, our newsletter, then we'll email it to you when, when it becomes available. We're, we're going to try to keep thinking about this critically. And there's a lot going on. So, we're here with you, um, and uh, we still think we can make this better, as bad as things look right now. So, we sure do love to have you guys as listeners. Thanks for being with us yeah, for so many thank years. You.
0: Um, this is a, this is, this is the most, I, I believe, I believe this is the most trying time that our nation has gone through since I've been at least an adult. A-
1: Anecdotally, I mentioned this to you before the show, but. Uh my dad went to he started at UC Berkeley in nineteen sixty eight. He ended up transition uh he transferred because it, it got so violent there. But he he's always been sort of that level headed guy in the room when things seem sensational. You know, he always has a way of putting things in perspective. And something he has always said to me my whole life, whenever things have looked bad, is uh yeah, things are bad. Um it's hard to compare to My time at Berkeley in the late '60s, when it felt like the country was on the verge of a revolution, and there are national guardsmen stationed, you know, on every block, every 300 meters in front of my apartment in the morning, and I several quarters got canceled because protests were just violently put down by the national guard. And I, you know, that perspective is good for us to have. And right now, he just told me the other day, this is hands down the worst it's ever been for him. And you know, again, just one data point, but the late '60s were a violent, tumultuous time, and. We're in it again, unfortunately.
0: And here's the good news. We are not helpless. And some more coming on how we watch the Watchmen, hopefully tomorrow. So otherwise, um, stay safe, everyone. And we'll talk to you soon.